0: Every show is a dose of inspiration. This is Success Profiles Radio. And now, here's your host, Brian K. Wright.
1: Hello and welcome to Success Profiles Radio. I'm your host, Brian K. Wright, and it is an absolute pleasure to be with you here today. I'm honored that you chose to spend part of your day with me here, and this is going to be an amazing show. I'll introduce my guests shortly. I promise this will be a fun and informative hour. It will be terrific. I just want to take a minute or so to share some things I've been learning and thinking about lately. I typically do this every single week. I've been thinking lately about the idea of having genuine connections with people It's very easy to meet people these days, especially online, but what is the quality of the connections that we're actually having? Lately, I've made more of an effort to connect offline with friends, and it's been really therapeutic in a way. When you see people face-to-face and have real conversations or even simply talk on the phone, it just makes a huge difference. I had a guest on the show a couple years ago, and one of his best pieces of advice was to have a conversation with someone who inspires you every single day. And when I'm able to do this, it really energizes me. So my challenge to you is to have a conversation today with someone who inspires you. I promise it will make a huge difference for you. So with all this in mind, I'd like to introduce my very special guest, and he is Walter O'Brien. Let me tell you about him. Walter O'Brien was a high IQ child prodigy who started programming computers at age nine. He founded Scorpion when he was 13 years old, as he recognized he could bring people together, uh, other smart, talented engineers from around the world, and use a little emotional intelligence and a scientific project management approach to solve not only technical problems but life problems, too. And for almost 30 years, Scorpion has served clients' needs in information technology management, due diligence, uh, architecture, development, and cybersecurity, uh, Scorpion has also mitigated security risks for some of the world's largest corporations and is a think tank for hire that provides consulting and product development to companies, government and military worldwide. And his company, ConciergeUp.com, provides intelligence on demand for any funded need. Another interesting fact is that the U.S. Department of Homeland Security certified Scorpion as being of national interest to the U.S. by granting him an extraordinary ability to... EB-1-1 visa. And since 1945, the only other people to receive this visa from the government are Albert Einstein and Winston Churchill. We'll talk about all of this and so much more on today's show. And before I forget, you can also download and subscribe to Success Profiles Radio on iTunes for free. I would really appreciate that. Uh, A review would be fantastic as well. And so here is my very special guest, Walter O'Brien. Walter, how are you today? Doing well. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm very glad to have you. It's an honor and a privilege to have you here. So the first thing I usually ask everyone is just to you know, give us a baseline of, of where, where you came from, maybe some of the things that you overcame, and, and what brought you to your, your current space. And you can take that really wherever you'd like.
2: Sure. Well, uh, born in Ireland, a dairy farmer's son. I uh, didn't fit in at home or at school, and I wasn't sure why. The teachers complained I asked too many questions. And uh, by nine, they had sent me for testing because they thought maybe I was on the autistic scale. Um, my test came back. I was the fifth highest IQ in the world, 197. And uh, that explained what was wrong with me. So I ended up joining the Gifted Children's Society and uh, meeting other prodigies and kids that I could have a conversation with who were less likely to bully me. And, yeah. um From there, I became a curious kid, Uh, so I got my hands on a computer, taught myself through trial and error, and by 13, I'd hacked into NASA, stolen the shuttle blueprints, got busted by the NSA and Interpol, cut a deal with them, and became a government contractor at 13, and that's where we opened the company, using my hacker name, Scorpion. Wow. And I thought having a company full of geniuses was a good idea until I put two of them on the same project and they tried to kill each other while insulting the customer. Mm -hmm. That's where I realized my first pivot moment, which is often the higher the IQ, the lower the EQ. The emotional intelligence, common sense, social skills, street smarts. Yes. So I went out and hired single moms, elementary school teachers and psychologists with high EQ to manage the people with high IQ. And that seemed to work. We ended up Calling those people super nannies because they babysit the geniuses and the customers, and now I had a functional think tank where you could bring problems, and we would solve them, and that's still what we do today on, on a high level.
1: Wow, that that is so fascinating. You hacked into NASA when you were thirteen. Was that how did you decide that you wanted to even try that?
2: Oh, it was curiosity. I mean, I, I basically back then there was no cool graphics or images on computers. So I was on the ARPANET, which is what it was called before, it was called the internet, poking around, and I came across some files that were huge, and they were drawing files, they were DWG files, which is AutoCAD. And I thought, well, if the file's huge, it means the picture must be complex, so I want to see it. And if you've ever tried telling a 13-year-old they're not allowed to have something, they can get pretty persistent. Yes. So. When the firewalls cut me off and stopped the message and hung up my phone, I got pretty persistent and figured out how to download it 10 minutes at a time and reassemble it on my own computer. So I think it was four days later, I managed to get the whole thing up and running and had a cool picture from my bedroom wall.
1: That is amazing. How did they figure out that there was a security breach?
2: Uh, it was pretty simple because you know I, I was a hacker back then, but I wasn't necessarily good at covering my tracks. So back then, you're on a dial-up modem from my dad's home phone number into a long-distance dial of a CompuServe server in England. Yes. So A, we had a huge long-distance phone bill for four days, which my dad wasn't happy about. And no. B, all they had to do was reverse look up the number. <laughs> there, yeah, There's our whole address.
1: And of course, they thought that your dad was the one who did it first, right?
2: Well, yeah, yeah it was pretty, didn't take long to, to, to figure out. My dad's an Irish farmer who's no. not the hacker. And right. um, they were just glad I wasn't the Russians.
1: Yes. Oh, I can imagine so. So what kind of a deal did you actually strike?
2: At a high level, all I can say is basically I, I had them sign an extradition waiver that I had prepared because I was outside their jurisdiction. Yes. So they'd have to extradite me from Ireland to prosecute me. And I said, well, if you sign this, then I'll show you how to stop other people getting in. And when I started explaining how to stop other people getting in, they then wanted me to put their boss on the phone and then put his boss on the phone. And eventually they just told me why don't I fly to Washington because they don't even understand what I'm saying in terms of explaining technology. You have to right. remember, this is 1988. Right. Most, most people didn't have computers or didn't know how they worked. So I was a little ahead of my time.
1: Of course. Absolutely. I can certainly understand that. So school was a challenge only because you were smarter than the room, literally. Uh, how how did that work for you socially? I mean, what was your social life like when you were growing up? Considering that you were different from the kids in that sense.
2: Oh, so many different ways. Uh, you know, kids back then were into agriculture, drinking, and uh, sports—three things I didn't care about. Right. Um, if the teacher was confident in their subject, I became teacher's pet, which isn't good. As if the teacher was insecure about their subject, then the teacher would bully me. So either way, I couldn't win. I oh, did have goodness. a couple of, my social life consisted of a couple of other geek friends of mine who were smart and into mathematics and physics and so on. But they were physically smaller than me. I was built a little bit like a football player. So I used to take my beatings, and then I used to take their beatings. So I kind of became the geek protector from an early age.
1: Mm. Did you have an opportunity to meet other kids from other uh, towns nearby that perhaps had some similarities to you? I mean, did you, did you have friends growing up?
2: Not really. Uh, I'd have like one maybe uh, for a while. Um, but uh, as I got to 17, 18, two things happened. They started having computer clubs, so now I could meet other people who were fanatical about it like me. And the second thing is I had won the national championship for three years in high-speed programming and then represented the country in the World Olympics in, in informatics. So when I did that, obviously, I, I was putting a team together and selecting from people and had a bit of a critical mass of followers and other, other hackers and technologists. And I always got along with them. And there was a stark contrast to me between high school where I didn't fit in or was popular at all and then university where I was studying artificial intelligence and computer science. And obviously everyone else who was doing both of those degrees simultaneously was pretty hardcore geeky as well. So in class, I was actually normal and got along with everybody, when I mean in university.
1: Yeah. Okay. So how did you get the nickname Scorpion? We've got a couple minutes to our first break.
2: Uh, Good question. Basically, in Ireland, they tend to name kids after animals with the same traits. So eventually, after 18 months of bullying, I lost my temper. What they didn't know is I've been doing full contact martial arts since I was seven years old. I gave the bully a pretty spectacular ass-kicking in front of a large group of students, and they called me Scorpion because a scorpion is a docile creature until pushed too far, but it's also fiercely loyal to its cyclone, which is what you refer to a family of scorpions.
1: Yeah, I can certainly appreciate that. So NASA was your first client. How did you gain new clients after that?
2: I hacked the Bank of England by 16, um, and they had paid me to test their security system, So when I broke SWIFT, the protocol you use for all bank wires, 16 times, then they they paid me to fix that. And the rest started being word of mouth. Plus, if I'm honest, there was not a lot of other computer companies in Ireland at the time. So they may not have have wanted to hire a 16-year-old kid, but they didn't really have much choice unless they were going to ship someone over from England. So people gave me a chance to fix everything from point-of-sale systems, inventory, barcode scanners, Translation systems, accounting systems, banking systems, bad, floppy disks, upgrading hard drives, the kind of stuff Geek Squad does now. That's what I started with. And eventually it expanded to solving big problems for big Fortune 1000 companies that we've all heard of. Yes. From from the electric grid to our drug distribution system to insurance companies.
1: Right. And we're going to get into some of the... The stories that that you have about some of the problems that you have solved, there are some really amazing stories uh, that that you can certainly share. We are with Walter O'Brien, who is the inspiration for the TV show Scorpion. We'll talk about that. Uh, a little while later as well and this is success profiles radio this is uh, a really wonderful opportunity to, to interview someone who's done a lot and is continuing to do a lot and, and he's, he's basically his company is here to solve problems for people and that's how you make money in business as you look to see a problem and solve it for somebody uh, rather than chasing the money and we'll, we'll talk about all of that as we continue but after the break we'll talk about his company concierge up which will help you with any funded need and he does mean any funded need, as long as it's legal, of course. We'll come right back. This is Success Profiles Radio. We'll be right back. The Survival Guide to Living with Stress. So get the Healthy Primate Stress Support Supplement today at www.screwstress.com. Click the Amazon logo. It'll take you where you need to go. Once again, that is www.screwstress.com. Have you ever thought about writing a book? And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Walter O'Brien, who is the inspiration for the TV show Scorpion, and we will talk about that later in the hour. I do want to ask, before we talk about concierge up, I would love to ask you a question that a lot of our, our business owners in the audience might really value is how do you decide when it's a good idea to hire help?
2: Well, you've got to have a strong sense of your value per hour um so for example you know we charge about 150 bucks an hour on average which means if someone has is earning 300 grand a year or more it's cheaper to have us do everything than do it yourself and you know for other things if you look at how long it would take you to change the oil in your car for example Mm -hmm. and you think it'll take you an hour and a half or so to do it what's your time worth and what's the opportunity cost of you spending that time reading a book or getting smarter about something versus paying someone else to do it for you who might do it in half the time or less because they have the right tools and they know what they're doing? Um, so a lot of it is efficient time management and not wasting your time on stuff you think you have to do yourself. Um, it took me a while to learn. I'm a pretty efficient guy between all my technology, laptops, reminders, calendars, etc. So it took me a while to learn how to use a personal assistant. But if you really look at your to-do list, there might be things on there like summarizing a book, putting some notes together, reading through a business plan, watching watching a movie, believe it or not, because you have to get uh, certain concepts or ideas out of it for something else or as, as research. Those are all things you can actually give to someone else to come back to you with a five-minute summary of what it would have taken you an hour to learn. And, you know, in everyday life, you got to pick stuff up and go shopping and uh, and go to the DMV, and in your company, if just don't underestimate the, the cost of administration and paperwork and time and responding to people and checking emails and voicemails. That could suck up 60% of your day. And if yeah. that's not the highest and best use of your core competency, then have somebody else do it. And if you think nobody else can do it because they don't understand everything you understand, that's true, but only for the first few months. If you actually hire someone you start training them, and teaching them how you think and what you look for and everything else. Everything you do is a set of rules in your head, and you can get those rules into someone else's head or down on paper if you keep them around you long enough to train them up.
1: Absolutely. I love that. That's fantastic. So let's talk about your company, Concierge Up. You will fund anything... Uh, as long as it's legal. So you, you, you take requests from people, hey, help me do this or help me figure out how to do this or that. What are some, well, first of all, how did you decide to start this company? Then I want to ask you about examples of problems that you've solved for people.
2: Well, I want to be careful there because you said we will fund anything. We fund nothing, we solve any funded problem.
1: I meant that, yes.
2: <laughs> Just to be clear, before all of us yes, start ringing. Um, So just to explain kind of where this came from, so for my whole background is technology, artificial intelligence, and computer science. So for 20 years, that's what I've worked on, solving any kind of technical problem. And the interesting thing about software and technical problems is you're really trying to take some idea out of your head and break it down into ones and zeros. So if you hired us to build a website for your show, there's some picture in your head of what you want, and I have to get it out of your head and down into a very exacting model. And that's hard to do. That's taking ambiguity and turn it into absolute. And people have spent the last 40 years trying to figure out the best method of doing that. And the current method is a thing called agile, which is just a methodology for for figuring that out. And I said, why would I restrict my company to only solving technical problems when I've got great brains, great methodology, great discipline, great process? Maybe we could solve any problem. If you are planning your wedding or your divorce, you want to have your dependencies figured out, your budgets, your plans, your disaster recovery plans in case it starts raining, and so on. Um, so I would use this kind of engineering methodology to solve any problem. And that's the re- that was the aha moment with Concierge Up. So we opened up a website and said, if you want to search something, type it in Google. If you want it to happen, type it in here. And slowly but surely, people started typing in problems they were having. For example, uh, my daughter has anorexia. Find all food that's odorless and tasteless, but high in calories and fat. My mom has throat cancer. Can you solve it uh, without removing her jaw? Um, I wrote a book. Can we get it on the New York Times bestseller list and figure out how that whole system works? And then arrange your book tour so that you can at Barnes & Noble and signing the books that were shipped into your hotel the night before, and on and on and on. Um, So sometimes they're crazy big things, like your son or daughter got kidnapped and you need them back, and sometimes it's everyday problems that happen, like you want to get a good price on a new car that you want to buy, or your CTO just quit for your new startup and took his passwords with him, and you need someone to hack back in, take over your startup, and find and train up a new CTO like the whole thing never happened. Um, Or you're adopted and you want to find your biological parents. Things that are wishes that you put on your to-do list that you're serious about and you have ten grand or more to put towards it, then we will put a team of scientists to start talking to you and follow a methodology for solving problems. And that methodology starts with the customer is always wrong, which uh, you may get a laugh from some people, but... It's basically, how do we know we're going down the right rabbit hole? How do we know why you want to do this? Do you really want to run your business? Do you want to grow your business? Or do you really just want to retire? Are you actually just doing it for the money? So we often end up having a useful conversation with the customer right off the bat that maybe no one's ever had with them. Because no one ever questioned the why.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a really great place to start because you, you need to know why because you know, sometimes you might find out the request isn't as serious as they thought it was or maybe their real reason why they want to do something is completely different than the thing that they said. Uh, what is the most unusual uh, request that you've gotten?
2: Oh, we've had a ton. Um, so probably, I mean, one of the uh, the fun ones is a billionaire from Europe called us and said his son fell in love with a Ukrainian gold digger. Could we break him up before the wedding, but don't let him know we interfered? Nice. And we went through a whole bunch of steps from profiling the son, making fake friends with him, following the the gold digger, getting her to admit what was going on, creating a fake wedding, so that we end up with uh, her being um, asked to leave the country for 10 years by Homeland Security because she filed a fake wedding certificate when the marriage, the wedding, the priest, and all the audience were actually actors. So we can really get any kind of request. We also had um, another client who wanted his dream was to buy and run a sports team, a high-end sports team. So he wanted us to look at all the teams in the league and figure out which one is uh, for sale, which one's affordable, which one's a good fit for them to live in that city and run a sports team and then manage everything from the stadium to the concession stands to moneyballing the draft of which players they choose for next season. Wow. Or choose That's... a, choose a winning, winning racehorse based on its DNA. After really? seven years of winners and seven years of losers, yeah, and see what the winners have in common.
1: That's um, fascinating. So it
2: really can be anything. And even if you're, you, don't, you don't know what it costs, and you're not sure it's a good idea, and it could be very fuzzy, in terms of in your mind. And that's why this is concierge up. Normally you you outsource downwards to people where you have to tell them every inch of the way what to do, and they'll do what you tell them with no discretion. But this is outsourcing upwards, where we're going to push back on you and see why are you doing this, and do you know what the reason is, and do you have the budget for it, and is it a good idea, and will you be happy if it's done, and have you tried to do it with other people, and where's your competitors looking, and so on. So we're kind of life coaching you through it as well as we'll do it for you. But we want to make sure it's what you need rather than what you want before we go ahead and do it. Yeah,
1: absolutely. No, I I can certainly appreciate that too. So how do you vet the funding, the the requests that you get? Um, how do you know which ones to work on and, and have you turned anything down?
2: Sure. Well, um, First of all, we only do things that are positive for the planet or uh, at least neutral because then we use the profits for, for our charities. Um, so we won't do things that are illegal or negative for the planet. And sometimes things that are illegal, it depends on which country you operate in. And so there's cases where people got had a terminal disease and they were part of an FDA drugs trial. And the drug only worked for 85% of the people, which wasn't good enough for the to get approved. However, they were part of the 85 that it worked for, so they were happy with it. But now the drug was illegal to get in the U.S., so we had to figure out how to get them citizenship to another country so they can go get their drugs legally every month. So sometimes there's ways of working around things so you can do the greater good. Um, Sorry, your question was i i i blank uh, how
1: how do you how do you know uh, or uh, how do you how do you vet the requests
2: so let's say a request is on the, on the fence or on on the borderline between we're not sure if it's good or bad. I run a mastermind group called Extelligence that meets every month that has fourteen fifteen people total from all different walks of life who are all experts in what they do top doctors, top athletes, top lawyers, so they become my global consciousness if I'm not sure about something. And then vetting the people, we have various ways where we, we solve difficult problems for nice people, not the other way around. Yeah. But we want someone, to, if you're coming to us with an impossible problem, you have to understand that it may take experiments, it may take hypothesis, we may fail three times before we succeed, and we need to know that that person's on board with that approach and is reasonable that this is research. And Einstein said if we knew what we were doing, we wouldn't call it research, would we? Right. So... Um the other vetting is, is kind of as we go. At any point, you can fire us or we can fire you if uh, it's not a pleasant experience, and we'll give the money back for any hours that haven't been used. So since you don't know what your problem costs and we don't know what your problem costs, we work kind of like a law firm. You put down a 10K retainer that will buy you about 66 hours at an average of 115 an hour, and we start talking to you and start working with you and gathering your requirements and so on. And at any point, if, if it's either side's not happy, we can stop. And in 30 right. years, we've never sued anyone, and no one's ever sued us, and we've never had a bad debt
1: and that's because you had everything laid out before you started, and that's brilliant. We are coming up against our next break. I can't believe how quickly this is going. We're talking with Walter O'Brien, and in the next segment, we will talk about the TV show Scorpion and how that came about, the inspiration for the show. We'll talk about casting. We can talk more about emotional intelligence and uh, how how you deal with people who don't like what you're doing and, and want to detract from your success. We'll talk about all of this and so much more as we continue our show. This is Success Profiles Radio. We will come right back. Please stay with us. Don't go away. If you want to know more about how to write a nonfiction book, whether it's business, self help, or how to, reach out to me at www.brienkwright.com for more information. Once again, that's brienkwright.com. Looking for the perfect destination in Costa Rica, Panama, or Thailand? Concerned about the economy and looking for an escape plan? Then you need to go to escapeartist.com and learn how you can live, work, invest, retire, or do business overseas. It's escape artist has the perfect plan for you. Join our 400,000 readers and get your free subscription to Escape from America magazine. Visit www.escapefromamerica.com and
0: create your escape plan right now. Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright.
1: And we're back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest is Walter O'Brien. And I would like to next talk about the TV show Scorpion. How did this happen for you?
2: Well, we... uh... We were trying to figure out, now that we've gotten busy solving all kinds of problems instead of just technical ones, we were trying to figure out, how do we find or attract more geniuses? So there, 150 IQ is about 1 in 10,000 people. They're not easy to find. So I did what um, what was uh, unnormal at the time, which is I asked the other geniuses to solve my problem. And they said, if you write a book, the millennials probably won't read it. If you make a movie, they will forget your name in six months. But if you replace CSI as the number one show on the air for the next 10 years, then the geniuses will come find you, and the 10-year-olds will, uh, and 12-year-olds will grow up wanting to be scientists instead of wanting to be Kim Kardashian.
1: That's a good thing. So
2: we got the producers of Transformers, Spider-Man, and Star Trek, the director of Fast and the Furious, and the writers of *Sopranos*, *Prison Break*, and *Hostages*, and put them all in one room, and went to CBS and said, "We got to make this." And uh, that was three years ago. We're now in the fourth season. Of, That's an uh, a all-star show team. Show that has 188 countries, but 26 million people in the U.S. watching the show.
1: Absolutely. Well, you put together an all-star team, and and it's hard to resist that much expertise in one room. Was was the pitch pretty easy for you to make? I mean, did they embrace it pretty easily?
2: They did for a couple of reasons. Number one is it was authentic. They could see, not only was it real, they could visit the company, see the people, see that they had 30 years of material before they wrote their first episode. That's not normal. Um, and then all the characters were simply friends of mine that inspired all the characters. So each actor could have dinner with themselves and learn what the world is like from that point of view. And then they got to observe the geniuses talking to each other, how they do that versus how they might talk to a, uh, to someone at a more normal speed. And they've commented on that in interviews at Comic-Con and so on, what, how magical they thought that was when two of these people who are rare find each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I had the, the fifth highest IQ for a minute, I was like, cool, that's great. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. That's pretty lonely that, only five people on the planet can empathize with me, right? And uh, so all of these elements came together, and we got a great cast that that you know had great chemistry. And I grew up watching MacGyver and the A Team, and so on. And there was a bunch of oddballs trying to save the world, and that's kind of what we became. So the TV show to me is like Cyber MacGyver.
1: I love that. I was going to say the nerdy version of Super Friends, but I like yours better. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Or big T- ban th- bank theory goes outdoors. Yeah, absolutely. I like that very much. So uh, let me ask you: How how did the casting work? I mean, did you have significant input as to who the the casting was going to, who, who the cast members were going to be?
2: Yeah, so I'm, I'm the executive producer on the show, so all the executive producers get to have input on the casting, but I also have to remember this was kind of a, a good lesson for me that now I'm, I'm the dumbest guy in the room. You know, when you bring that much talent together, and I've never done anything in Hollywood, right. what do I know about making shows? How do I, What do I know about judging actors, et cetera, et cetera? So all I could do was try to keep pull, pull an all-star team together and then step back and let them do their stuff and not interfere. So, you know, I gave them my two cents and said, this person looks like the real person or this person acts like the real person or they don't. But in terms of how good or bad an actor they are, I, I'd be the last person to be able to judge that. Um, so I, I did not tread all over the skills of the people I, I uh, hired. Right. What's that old adage, if you plant a, plant a flower or plant a tree, you don't dig it up every day to see how it's doing. Right. So right. I, I let nature take its course, and, and that paid off. Yeah. If I made the show, if I got all OCD about being technically correct, and made the show 100% accurate, it would be a documentary on Discovery Channel that nobody would see. Right. But the fact that I sat back and let Hollywood add 30% emotion, romance, and car chases and gunplay to it made the show popular. So now a billion people see it instead of a couple of thousand.
1: Exactly, yeah. So are all of the episodes based on real scenarios that your company has dealt with?
2: Yes. Yes. In general, so so basically we sit with the writers at the beginning of each season and give them stories, gadgets, characters, interactions that have all been cleared from under non-disclosure at Scorpion. And they will mix and match those. Maybe they'll change what country it happened in, or they'll change the name of the street or building for legal reasons. Or on the show, I have an older sister in real life. I have a younger sisters. And they'll, they'll move things around for legal reasons. But they're all they're all initiated or started with real things that happen to us, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about maybe a way, a cool way of putting out fire using music, or breathing underwater using a, a intravenous drip, and they'll make a whole show out of that. Going, oh my god, that that there's a whole show right there because that's the coolest gadget ever. Yeah. So I'm a bit like Hugh for James Bond. I bring the gadgets.
1: Yeah. Are, are there certain scenarios that you've dealt with in the company that could never become a TV episode because of confidentiality and non-disclosure agreements?
2: Well, it depends. So the, a lot of what we've dealt with is under either a seven-year NDA or a three-year NDA. So it's not that we can never. We just can't until they're seven years old.
1: Oh, got it. For the government, okay.
2: government stuff, we've got to wait 20 years before we can talk about it in a lot of cases. And even then, yeah. it may or may not be declassified. Sure. So, that's uh, that's the general guideline, but there, what we have found is some of the things we deal with, are, especially in war and war game planning, are too horrific for the general public to ever digest or handle or would inappropriate for, for the kids to see. Yeah. So there's lots of things like that that we just, the, the real world is too cruel, so it gets dumbed down or lightened in yeah. the show.
1: Yeah. As technology changes as quickly as it does, do you see it fundamentally changing what your business looks like?
2: It's a good question. I see the industries we work on changing and as they evolve and get either better in social media, more connected, more virtual reality and augmented reality. Our business, which is solving problems for people and trying to get them to articulate what their problems are, I see that problem-solving methodology staying very much the same. But it is uh, an expectation and part of our job to always be at the cutting edge of what is the best, fastest, cheapest, most automated Yeah systems that are out there right now so if you came to me to automate your father's factory it's our job to know what is the best technology to do that and not install stuff from the 80s
1: right exactly so you you found that with this tv show that you are getting more geniuses coming out of the word work to say hey i want to work with you or they have questions or they want to interact with you more have you found that to be true
2: all of the above. We've had up to 105,000 people hit our website when the show airs. So from the people watching it, the smarter ones Google it and go, no way, and then they find a the real Walter O'Brien. Um, we get about maybe 20 resumes a week with high IQs, over 150 attached, to come join us and work at the company. We end up with ambassadors who want to resell our problem-solving skills for commissions, joining our sales force. Um, and we get a lot of customers who... Give us a call. And they're just like, you know, I didn't think this is real. I didn't think it's possible that there's a company that could solve any problem. You know, I didn't think you guys would care about my little business or whatever it is. And they give us a call. And after a 15-minute conversation, they're like, oh, wow, you guys actually have done this 10 times before, and you already have the checklist. Let's go ahead and do it. And that's amazing. And that's always nice when we can turn that around. The customer realizes they just hired the real Scorpion.
1: That's
2: just like that it, is hire, amazing. Hired the,
1: hire the real A-team. That is amazing. So let me ask you this. I mean, Catherine McPhee p- plays what you termed earlier as the super nanny, the one who mentors uh, the groups. I'm, I'm, I, for some reason, I'm channeling the Ninja Turtles now. You've got the, you know, the Splinter who's the mentor to all the turtles that are trying to do their thing. But Catherine McPhee plays that character. So geniuses tend to get bored really easily. Is, is that a legitimate challenge to keep them focused and engaged and interested? Or are the tasks so interesting in and of themselves that that's just not an issue?
2: No, it's a huge issue. I mean, so one of the things we try to do actively is put them on three different jobs simultaneously. And oh. then we mix up those jobs. So you could be on a government project like our ballistic missile defense system that's a 40-year project. And while missile sounds pretty cool, when it's 40 years, it moves really, really slow. Yeah. But then we put that same guy also on a, uh, figuring out winning racehorses. So now he's got something really fun and cool to work on that is a lot less stressful because nobody dies if you get it wrong. And um, and then we'll put them on a third project that maybe stretches their goals a little bit where they're helping someone with a life coaching issue. Or even we have people who come to us saying, you know, I want to buy my first sports car. I want to get a good deal on it. I don't want to pick the wrong one. And I want to learn what it's like to own a Ferrari or own something cool. And we will take a, a geek who's a car enthusiast and have them... Make someone else into a car enthusiast, and have fun shopping and test driving cars with them. So we, the biggest part, biggest problem with my business and the audiences listening is, it's three words, any, funded need, and nobody is processing the word any, properly. I'll have friends call me two years from now saying, "Oh, I didn't know you did that." I <laughs> so "I said any," so try us out.
1: Yeah. You'll do anything as long as they have the funds and as long as it's ethical. (laughs) I love that. It really forces people to stretch their imaginations. And that's never a bad thing either, for sure. We've got a couple minutes to our final break. So let's let's ask about emotional intelligence, because, uh, I mean, IQ, we all know what that is. Emotional intelligence is a construct I think a lot of people probably don't properly wrap their heads around. The CEO is the one who usually has the highest EQ in the company. Do you find that to be true?
2: Yes, and and the the guy in the basement has the highest IQ, and unfortunately oh, yeah. that's the case. Eighty-five percent of your success is your EQ, fifteen percent your IQ, according to Carnegie Mellon. Yeah. And uh, just just sorry on the last point, I forgot to mention. If people can just go to conciergeup.com dot com and type in their top three wishes or whatever problems they want to have, and someone will reach out to them. Yeah. But on e- EQ. You know, think about when you were at school. There was always that popular kid at school who always looked cool, dressed cool, had all the the cool friends and had people around them. And that person has a high EQ. They're a magnet for attracting other people around them who want to do things and go to parties. And the popular kid at school has high EQ. And the smartest kid at school with a high IQ is not the most popular kid because it's usually the higher the IQ, the lower the EQ. Yeah. And it's very, very hard to have both.
1: Absolutely. And, uh, we are... I was going to gonna say, we're coming.
2: It's hard to relate to other people, read them properly, know yeah. when they're lying to you, see things in their point of view, empathize with them. It's all very difficult when you're almost a different species.
1: Absolutely. We're coming up against our final break. I can't believe how quickly this show is going. We will come back uh with Walter O'Brien, uh known as Scorpion, and he's done so much. You definitely got to look up that site conciergeup.com and any funded uh any funded need his company will help you with, Uh, reach out to them. If you've got something that you'd like them to work on, that'd be really amazing. And we'd love to hear your success stories. If you actually go ahead and do that, we'll come right back after the break. This is success profiles radio.
0: Is to motivate and inspire others to discover their unique talents and follow their dreams in life. This is Success Profiles Radio.
1: Do you have trouble falling asleep and staying asleep? I know that drugs can be addictive and cause a hangover the next day. That's why you need the Sleep Band. The Sleep Band helps you fall asleep quickly and easily and for a longer period of time. This results in a more restful and peaceful night's sleep, which is something all of us need. With the Sleep Band, you will wake up fresh and alert, ready to begin your day. You can get your Sleep Band and other great healing products by visiting HealingFrequencyProducts.com. Check it out today for a better sleep tomorrow. HealingFrequencyProducts.com.
0: the Toginet Radio Network, broadcasting quality programming to the world. It's marching you've
2: never heard.
3: Can you keep a secret? Apparently, most women can't. According to a London study, on average, a woman can only keep a secret for about 32 minutes. One in ten women quiz said they'd had a falling out with a friend over letting secrets slip. Plastic surgery, people involved in dalliances, canoodling, and relationship problems topped the list shared in Hugger Mugger. Do Britons gossip more than Americans? Probably not, but they certainly read more tabloids. What's a word for the enjoyment of reading about another's troubles? Schadenfreude. A quidnunc is another word for a gossip, and Alice Roosevelt Longworth said it best at a dinner party. If you can't say something good about someone, sit right here by me. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words.
0: Welcome back to Success Profiles Radio. So many people live their lives wanting more than they currently have. And this show will clearly demonstrate the principles, if I can do it, you can do it. So let's get back to the show. This is Success Profiles Radio. And here again is your host, Brian K. Wright.
1: And we are back. This is Success Profiles Radio. My very special guest this week is Walter O'Brien, who is best known for the TV show Scorpion. And we talked about his company, Concierge Up, which will help you, as long as you have the funds, help you solve any problem that you want. Um, In any company, Walter, there are... Uh, conflicts and people who think they're not being treated fairly and you have a fairness algorithm so you have quantified fairness that is fascinating to me tell us about that
2: well the the whole culture in my company is probably the upside down version of the typical corporate culture we praise uh, pessimists Uh, we promote the people who point out their boss is wrong and that they made a mistake um, you know, we value being right above all else. And um, it's the opposite of, unfortunately, what corporate America generally is like. And part of that environment is fairness. Now, fairness is more important than money to, to some people where they get appreciated correctly for what they've done. So, but fairness can be quantified in most cases. So we have our own kind of judge duty type court system where someone can complain or appeal Anything that's going on they think is not fair or doesn't make sense. And an example of that briefly would be if you were working on a project for me with two other people, and at the end of it you felt that the other people didn't pull their weight. Well, we have all the tracking and screenshots and hours and pages of what you've done. So when we look at all that and we quantify it and go, wow, you're right, you did do half the work, that means I've been minus uh, 8% extra, sorry, I've been 8% over-fair to the other two people and minus 16% unfair to you because I paid you all 33 and a third. So because of that, I will now adjust your salaries by that much on the same 1,000 hours on the next project. So I'm load balancing your fairness through zero over time. Okay. It costs me nothing because I've been over-fair to them and under to you, so by the end of the day, it costs me the same amount of money when I balance it out but you're not building up a grudge against me where in three years from now you quit suddenly because you've been unfairly treated for far too long and not appreciated yeah. for what you do. Yeah. If you can do 20, 20 times the work of the person next to you, I'll pay you 20 times the salary. I don't care. Yeah. I don't have a, a HR department that limits everything to 5% increases. Yeah, All humans I, are not equal.
1: Right. No, understood. And I think it's really great that you have such an environment where people can air out their grievances and point things out, you encourage that. And you're right. Corporate America really doesn't do that, it's, it's very much maintaining power and keeping people under your thumb and call it whatever else you want. But I love that that you've quantified fairness. I think that is amazing. I love that. So bigger picture question, how do you, how do you build a billion dollar business? Carefully. Um,
2: I I said I I received the Most Innovative Company Award about a year ago, and I I said in my speech, it's nice to be a 30-year overnight success. Yes. So it's um, a lot of it is when everyone's running one way, I run the opposite direction. I accept the fact that 99% of the people around me are wrong most of the time about most things, so I have to be careful who I don't listen to. When I get up every morning and see 3,000 emails and messages coming in, I decide with surgical precision what I'm not going to work on. I realize that um, I can't do everything myself, so finding and hiring the best people and then letting go and not micromanaging them and learning to delegate and manage by exception is the only way you're going to grow. Having a strong set of values that you believe in that has a, a vision and a future and sticking with it. And being creative. I mean, more people have walked on the moon than had a TV show about them while they're still alive. That's right. an unusual way of spending $100 million a year marketing your, your company. And, um, you know, all of these things, working on cyber when no one cared about cyber, educating the government on cyber when no one would pay us to educate the government on cyber. But now when cyber stuff happens, we're the go to guys to go to because I knew it was happening. I knew it was coming. It ain't going to get better in the near future. It can only get worse. People will lose their jobs to automation and self-driving Uber and trucks and so on. So I'm in artificial intelligence and robotics. I won't be out of business anytime soon, but everyone else might.
1: You're right. Absolutely. So, Walter, let me ask you, what has surprised you about entrepreneurship as you've progressed through your journey?
2: I guess, A, it surprises me that more people don't do it. So many people are just happy to tread along and be an employee or follow the rules or do what someone else tells them. I don't like people having leverage over me and I I prefer to lose my own money than lose someone else's. So that's, that's one part of it. Um, obviously it always surprises me that none of it's taught in schools. I think every kid in every high school should be running their own startups from when they start high school to when they graduate. And it doesn't matter if it succeeds or fails, they'll learn everything about math, accounting, EQ, marketing, sales, pressure, deadlines, time management. There is no better education than trying to run a startup. Um, yeah. So I could go on and on, but yeah, the entrepreneurship is what this whole country is all about. Well, unfortunately, not enough people do
1: it. Absolutely, and And there are a lot of people who want to do it and have tried and have failed, or perhaps they might be struggling now. What advice do you have, to entrepreneurs who who might be at the beginning or might be experiencing a, a dark spot right now.
2: Well, you could be wrong or you could be right. And having a mastermind group of true peers who aren't kissing your butt is a good way to find out. And, you know, I know this is I'm biased here, but the whole concept of my company is rent a brain. So rent yes. more brains to help you figure out are you flogging a dead horse? Are you, uh, are you just ahead of your time? Are, have you got a great business, but you can't afford to educate the public on it, so they'll never end up in, in buying into it? Do you have a great product, but you just don't have a clue about marketing, and you need a partner to do the marketing of it, or vice versa? You're a great marketer, and you're useless at delivery and operations. Um, that's kind of like the IQ-EQ thing. It's hard to be good at both, and yeah. we see all of this in a very mathematical, quantifiable way. A one-hour phone call with us might identify what you're doing wrong. And we may well tell you, give up on that business and start a different one. And that might be the best advice rather than spending five more years banging your head against the wall, wondering yeah. why it's not working.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So let me ask you about mentors. Who, who have you considered to be your greatest mentors along your journey?
2: I have a lot of respect for. Yeah. His attitude and vision. He famously said that point of view is worth 20 IQ points, which resonated obviously with me. Right. But he could see things from the customer's point of view that even the customer didn't know they needed. Henry Ford said if he asked the customer what they wanted, they would have said more horses instead of a car. Yes. So he was able to see what the customer wanted even when the customer didn't know what the customer wanted and then completely ignore the fact that his company thought he was nuts and made them do it anyway, which is where most founders succeed in building companies. Yeah, absolutely. Overall, if you look at self-actualization and why we're here on the planet, which is to use our gifts and skills to do the most good we can for society before we die, Mother Teresa was selfless her whole life, hugged 100,000 people, and had nothing to give them. Some died of malnutrition later. Bill Gates was selfish for the first 50 years of his life, and then wrote a single check to wipe out malaria for $7 million and set up the largest charity in history. So if we're counting bodies here, maybe he should be the saint. Mm. So what I take from that is be selfish until you can be significant. Don't give okay. 20 bucks to the homeless guy. If you can invest it, work carefully on yourself, and eventually build a homeless shelter for yeah. 600 people a year.
1: There you go. That's a great answer. I love that. I know you like to read. What are some of the most influential books that you've, that you've read or have been influenced by?
2: A lot of the famous ones are famous for a reason. So I like Black Swan. I like Fooled by Randomness. The 48 Laws of the Power. What got you here won't get you there. In uh, virtual reality, I like Piers Bernays' book, uh, Glimpses of Heaven, Visions of Hell. Um. Anything by Malcolm Gladwell is always, always a pretty fun read. Yeah, um, Those are probably good starters.
1: I bet Outliers resonated with you very, very well. <laughs> felt like a biography, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Great. If you were starting over today, knowing what you know right now, would you have done anything differently?
2: I probably would have emphasized the EQ side of things even more. I think in the last 10 years, I, I've increasingly understood how important that was. I regretted that I didn't spend the first 20 years working on it. Some people yeah. go through their whole life never figuring that part out. I'm just regretting that I figure that out later. Yeah. So that would be one thing. Um, and there's lots of trends that I wish I'd gotten into earlier, but my engineering mind avoided them as too risky. Um, whereas now with things like cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin and so on, I am more confident in my gambling money that uh, I won't let my engineering risk averseness talk me out of things that could be four or $500 trillion in our lifetime.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We've got a couple minutes until the end, Walter. So I'll ask you the question I ask everybody who inspires and motivates you.
2: Um, well, I, I think, uh, this group that I meet with, the extelligence group, or the, the, the people who are at the top of their field in every field and spent their 10,000 hours becoming experts in wiring their brain differently than mine, is the first group I look to as a, as a collective mentor that I cannot surpass. So you don't know who those people are, but I recommend you form your own group and do dinner with them once a month. Highly recommend it that you do that. Other people inspire me. I mean, Elon Musk has done amazing things and yeah. said a you" to the industry that criticized him and done them anyway. Yeah. And he's, he's fearless about it and he's smart enough to know he's right. And he ignores anyone who isn't smarter than him to, to tell him otherwise.
1: Okay. And I think, All man, right.
2: That's, that's a great quality.
1: Great. We are coming up to the end of the show. And Walter O'Brien, thank you so much for being with us. How can we find you and learn more about you and, and follow you?
2: So conciergeup.com, I really mean it. Go ahead there now and put in two or three wish lists or requests of things in your to-do list that you can't get to. ScorpionComputerServices.com if you want to see all the good we do, the testimonials, the video background, etc. Um, and obviously watch the TV show on CBS with your, with your kids because they'll explain the technology to you and you can explain the EQ lessons to them.
1: Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant! Thank you, Walter, so much for being here. I really appreciate you.
2: Thank you so much for having me, and great set of questions.
1: All right, thank you. This has been Success Profiles Radio. Join us next Monday at six PM Eastern, where I interview world-class successes and learn what they did, how they overcame their obstacles, and what we can learn from them. Join us next week. We'll be right back a week from now. Take care. Bye.